Hello and welcome back to The Graduate Teacher, a podcast for early career teachers by an early career teacher. My name is Chloe and I am a second year year three teacher in South Australia. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about the first two weeks of term one of 2022. Uh, so I'm going to talk about give a little bit of a refre- a little bit of a reflection, things that kind of worked well, things that maybe didn't go to plan, and then going to dive into maybe some observations, things that I um, have noticed um, within those first two weeks, and then a little bit of like a behind the behind the scenes. So not necessarily things that are happening in the classroom, but things that teachers are required to do um, that kind of go into the out of hours sort of stuff. So, and then the last topic is going to be looking at uh, future planning. So what's next and new learning and things that are maybe um, are coming into change um, and need to change. So, um. The first two weeks didn't quite start out the way I had originally planned. If you listened to um, episode two, you would know that I have a year level that ended up starting off the year in remote learning. So we weren't able to come back face to face like the receptions to year ones or year twos, depending on whether your school had a um, mixed um, cohort of one twos we started online. So we, as a team of the year three to sixes, we got together and we planned out um, our two weeks worth of online work, all the activities. And we did it in a way so that the activities were all the same across all year levels, but it was differentiated and changed to suit uh, our individual classes. So uh, for example, with some of the mass things, we might have an activity that we're all exploring addition and we're all having to um, look at, we're giving students sums to then solve and they have to show they're working out and their answers. But the sums that we've given are different depending on uh, the skill levels and assumed knowledge for that age group. And we went, We coming day one, we felt really positive and very organized. We had, we worked really well as a team um, to compromise on some things, to brainstorm the kinds of activities we want and then delegate the work. And we were all very dedicated to making sure it was high quality, but easy for uh, families and students to navigate at home. So we kind of divvied off the activities and we each kind of set something up on Seesaw, assigned it to our own class and then shared it to the public library on Seesaw. So then every other teacher, we could save it to our library, adjust it if we need to and then send it off. So coming into um, actually starting remote learning, all we had to do was uh, assign the task for the day, whether some of us did it the night before or some of us did it in the morning. Um, And then we just needed to film a good morning message and something that just kind of explains the activities for the day and send that off um, at, I think we said like 8.30 um, 
or 8.50 around that time. Uh, so then the students can get started and then they just sent their responses through Seesaw as well. And all of our messaging was done through Seesaw. So it was one place. They didn't have to go back and forwards, which made it really easy to do. Um, we got a lot of positive feedback from families about how that worked, which was really good. Um, we, f- they, we got lots of feedback about how it was very easy to navigate um, and for families who had multiple children at home, um, it, was, it made it a lot easier when they were doing the same activities so they could sit down at the table together, be doing it, but it was just the, the, the content looked a little bit different uh, depending on the age group there. Um, we also got uh, feedback to say about how we had um, filmed some videos, explanation videos to help um, balance out some of the students who may not quite understand with just written instructions. So we kind of, we had two to three modes of instruction for each activity. So there was the written step-by-step and we had little icons there to tell you which like seesaw buttons and stuff to press when. And then uh, we would either attach a video explanation um, on there that um, showed us explaining it and modeling the activity or we would attach a um, audio instruction that kind of read through the written instructions and maybe elaborated on it a little bit more, maybe gave an example or, um, or something like that. So we got a lot of positive feedbacks about that as well, how that um, made the process a lot easier being able to see or hear it at the same time. Uh, so generally uh, going into <laughs> this remote learning, I was obviously very frustrated because that is not ideal to start off the start of our year uh, on remote learning. So to have to start day one, very disconnected uh, from our students, not able to build up a great relationship with the students um, and kind of ease into work was not great. That's not how um, I pictured our start of the year, but there were some positives that came out of that as well. So um, we were able to uh, gain more insight into student um, knowledge and capabilities at that time, um, especially in math and literacy, which was really good. I could see um, where there were some gaps in their knowledge who were ready for a bit of an, uh, an extension or a next step or maybe some things that we might need to revise before jumping into our learning. Um, so that was a positive thing as well. Um, <laughs> funny so we, although we had uh, year threes to sixes remote learning, as teachers, we had to still be on on site. And that's where we did a lot of our work, which is very different to how it has been previously. Um, for at least our school, the last three times that we've been in kind of like a, a lockdown or like not in like remote learning, we have been doing that from home. So I suppose the difference now was it wasn't really a lockdown. It was just the, the government deciding that this w- might be a safer way to kind of prevent such a big um, influx in the spread of um, coronavirus. Uh, so we were allowed to be on site um, and work from there, which was 
good to be able to leave home, still have that routine um, and not be like distracted by like the washing or doing like the dishes or whatever. Um, and to be around, still be able to like be part of the school and see the kids like there are tattoos, like all that sort of stuff which made it kind of seem a little bit more normal and to then be able to see and check in with the other teachers as well was really a positive experience. Um, but we also said to those parents of the year threes to sixes that if you cannot arrange for your children to be looked after, then we won't turn anyone away. We'll have staff available to kind of supervise why they're still doing their online stuff. So it's not going to be in the classroom. They will still participate online. They will just be um, at school supervised by a teacher. Uh, we kind of had a few numbers those first th- few days and with the decision with starting remote learning, um, the start of the school got delayed. Um, so we were meant to start on the Monday, but we ended up starting on the Wednesday. So we only had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of the first week for remote learning and we had a few kids. So we had, they decided to put all the four fives in one room and then the three to sixes in um, another room. By the time it got to Monday of week two, my the amount of year threes that were coming to school had um, just grown. I had 19 of my year three students at school on that Monday and that then made everything a little bit more complicated. So um, it, mean, it meant that there was um, a lot of bodies in the classrooms when you had the year sixes and then the four fives in the other room. But then they were starting specialist lessons again for the receptions to year twos. And one of the Italian lessons was using the science building where my year threes um, and the year sixes were working and being supervised. So in order to kind of navigate around that, Um, we had to put the year threes into my classroom and then the year sixes were put into the the library. So I had students in the classroom and, but there was another teacher supervising and I just went to, um, like the staff room or like I went to the, the ESO lap office. So that's just a little office that is usually used by, the school counsellor or um, for like intervention groups and stuff like that. So I went in there to do my work, get away um, from a bit of the noise. Um, and so I can focus on um, responding, giving quality feedback to student work. But then partway through the day, so the person who was take, taking my class is um, one of the reception teachers, but also she is the leader of learning and the inclusive ed um, leader as well. So she's got lots of roles, lots of hats and a very busy woman. So the fact that she was then supervising my, my students, practically a whole class of students, 19 kids, um, meant that she was obviously not having time to do the work that she needed to do. So by the time it got to, uh, partway through the morning, um, we had the had to ha- start having conversations with the principal about how we were going to manage this, and uh, <laughs> it ended up being that I was then 
trying to manage the students who were in in the classroom and my online I had a like an ESO um with me every now and then as well which was um really really good um which that um and throughout the week I just had it wasn't like full-time throughout the whole week I wasn't doing that um there were just like big like chunks like lessons like double lessons every now and then but what the school then did was then um book in a relief teacher to then come and supervise my class while I was still managing uh, all the online learning stuff but I by the time that that week ended I only had four students who weren't coming in so at any given time I was having 24 students in the classroom sometimes it would be a little bit less depending on um, who could stay at home that day Um, But in total, there was only four students who hadn't been at school at all during the two weeks of remote learning, which was crazy. So I had I had a full class and trying to balance that was a little bit tricky. Uh, We were supported really well by um, staff and leadership, getting that relief teacher in and having that person in full time while I'm trying to then still catch up with the remote learning stuff um, was really great. And I really, really appreciated that Um, where the other teachers, they had, um, because by that, that Monday afternoon, it was decided that um, all students attending on campus doing remote learning would be in their classroom. Um, So the teachers would own the other teachers four four five and six teachers only had like an ESO with them to help with the class stuff and then they were managing um, but they had a lot less students than I did um, coming to to school um, I the great thing about that having so many students <laughs> it's funny because you're like if I'm already having pretty much my whole class in school doing remote learning, like it feels silly to then still to be doing remote learning. Um, but obviously that was just like, I still had to follow the decisions of um, the state and that, but it just, in my head, I was like, this is, this is stupid. Like I've got pretty much my whole class here and I can't do anything with them because we're meant to be in remote learning, but they're all here anyway. But whatever, what can you, what can you do about it? Um, so the, the positive part about having pretty much all my students there was I could get a whole bunch of running records done. Um, and I pretty much got, uh, to every student that had been to school during remote learning, I was able to get to them and do a running record for them, um, which was positive. Um, and that made the start of the next few weeks a lot easier in terms of I, I didn't have to rush and you know how um, <laughs> how school can get. It can get really busy and you're running out of time, especially when you're trying to set up um, routines and everything. Everything just takes a little bit longer. So it was great to be able to get that done before we were actually getting into the bones of learning and being in the classroom. I wouldn't say that there was anything that like – really didn't work. I think the whole remote learning experiences experience was fairly positive. I was able to check in with families quite regularly who were at home doing remote learning and just checking on the students and see how they were going. 
I was able to like see uh, most of the students on on campus as well. Um, and I got a lot – I was able to speak with the teachers who were supervising them most of the time and get some really um, great um, kind of like observations from them and knowledge that they had seen uh, to help kind of already start informing the differentiation that I would need to be applying in the classroom. I was able to start seeing kind of be like a like being able to – have a relief teacher in your classroom and be able to take a sit back and kind of watch your students um, was really beneficial. So I was able to gain some really great observations um, and have time to uh, have like intentional observations of my students. So, and with that paired with the observations that I was getting from like the supervising teachers um, who were taking my students as well, um, it gave me a lot of insight into my students. So I was able to see that I had um, some students that who uh, probably need more regular breaks um, and probably can't um, sustain their learning for a longer, like a long period of time, like uh, most majority of the class can. I was also able to notice that I had one or two students or three students who um, have some emotional regulation um, difficulties um, and that is something that um, I would need to help and support with that but also keep in mind um, when interacting with them and setting up tasks. Um, I also was able to notice that there were Um, a handful of students that when they were sitting together, it wasn't a very productive experience in their learning. So I was able to already um, determine who would um, benefit from working away from other students. But also start off um, the term with real, um, real examples of what productive work looks like and unproductive work because we discussed like that's a part of my um, setting up for success is talking about what is productive um, work and what is unproductive work and we unpack that. So I was able to already go um, give examples about what that like what I had seen and what is okay and what's not okay and what is beneficial for their growth and learning and what sort of behaviours get in the way of that. Um. And so it was just, it wasn't anything real like dramatic or anything. It's just like talking or um, getting kind of caught up like in conversations or staring off out the window um, or for some students, it would be waiting until there was a teacher and would only be doing the work if the teacher is right there, that sort of stuff. So while all this is happening, Um, we still have a lot of beginning of the year stuff going on for staff. So we have week zero, which is the week before school starts for students. So that's officially the start of school for staff and teachers. And in that whole week is um, going over expectations for staff, um, over the handbook, looking at the school's strategic plan, the focus for the year, there is some PD that happens, collaboration with other schools, that sort of stuff. It's a really full-on week um, and it every day it's jam-packed. You're 
on teams all day, um, either participating in conversations, there are meetings, there are PDs, that sort of stuff. And it's just, it's like extremely mentally draining. Um, it's not a great way to start off you off the year to be so mentally like caught up and like, it's just a lot of information pushed at you. And uh, with the the frustrating thing about this is that because there is so much information, um, it gets really overwhelming from from day one, and especially for um, new teachers too. Like you're learning how the school works, you're learning um, what needs to be done, uh, how and when it needs to be done, all like the little 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 rules and things. Um, that differ from school to school Um, but then you're also trying to then learn what everybody else is learning in terms of like best pedagogy the um, and like the terminology and (laughs) things that they pull out like uh, sites and survey like pulse survey and they just like these data and it's just a lot and no one really like stops to be like oh we've got and at a school we do have um, quite a few early career teachers. Uh, I think we've got at least four, four early career teachers. Um, and two of them are freshies <laughs> straight out. This is their first year this year. Um, me and this is my second year, so I'm still early career teacher. And then we also had, um, someone who's graduated the year before me. So they're in their third year this year. But it's just a lot to take in and there's no one really there to be like, okay, this is what this means. When we say this, we go, this is what it's referring to um, or you can find this information here. It's just kind of like like going straight through everything, like you're going 180 miles per hour just down this road of like information and there's all this science passing through. But as you like when you're passing that side sign at high speed, it's kind of like it's like blurred you know pick it all up just like okay yeah you talked about that oh we're on to the next thing um and when I so in my very first episode I talked about um one of the challenges for me was how the school had so many different focuses um and how that was frustrating um overwhelming and just kind of made um put a lot of pressure for like at least for me but I I know that was for other teachers as well And it kind of split my mind and I was just trying to do too many things at once and I didn't do anything really well. And already in week one, I got that same feeling. And it's not, um, and it's not uh, great. I'm glad that I had that intentional reflection, was able to kind of identify that that is part of the reason why I feel like I was having so much difficulty um, last year in trying to set up um, things successfully and create routines and things that I thought would be uh, that would work and that I kind of matched my own pedagogy and idea of teaching um, but it was all happening again we were having we I knew that we would be focusing on reading um, again I knew that straight away and I was just hoping that would be and the only thing that we would be kind of trying to improve on is getting our structure of reading reading right and doing that really well but now we also we had PD on learning intentions and success criteria and that is nothing new to most teachers like every teacher at my school um, and a few at like all the other schools as well it's 
it, it, it's come and it's gone throughout years and obviously it's making um, its way come back because we see the value in it. And I use learning attention success criteria already. So the information wasn't really new in that context, but it was just um, like there were definitely a few things that I was still improving and developing in order to make that um, beneficial for the students and not just something that I kind of talk at them at the start of a lesson. And like I noticed that there wasn't really a relevance for them. It was definitely more for me and uh, to tick off something in my planning. Um, so as much as there's a, bene- a benefit in learning about that, it's just another thing we now need to focus on. We've got um, to improve our reading, our re- reading programs, to then um, go into teacher clarity. And that like teacher clarity is such a big concept. I did, me and a few others actually, we did a research project on it in university and from the get-go um, it's just got so many avenues to go down in order to be um, a clear teacher and have clarity in the classroom. Um, so I suppose for the school and there was no real like <laughs> there was no clarification for us about what they meant by teacher clarity when they introduced it um, and there was no they didn't really make that um, that direct kind of um, link to learning attention success criteria with teacher clarity. It is something that just us as staff, we've kind of gone, okay, they were kind of introduced as two separate things, but I think they're actually, they linked. So the way that we're improving our teacher clarity is through learning attentions and success criteria at the moment. So it's just a lot to try and do well at once. And like I said, in my takeaways and my learnings and things that I'm going to implement this year is choosing one and doing that really well. So what um, a few of us as a staff have discussed and talked about is to kind of put reading and the learning tensions uh, together. So we're not really going to jump straight into the deep end. We're going to kind of like dip our toes in the shallow end a little bit and kind of link those two ideas and go, we're going to work on our reading program by um, implementing the structure that we've been um, taught, having um, including some of those pedagogies into that, but then also only doing our learning intentions and success criteria, re- like focusing on those in our reading. If we apply them into our other lessons, great, but the focus is just going to be how that is done in reading, which was a little bit of a, a weight off because I knew that um, there were a few other teachers who were thinking the same way as, as me and approaching it the same. So I wasn't going to have such a big pressure on me to be like, I'm not um, doing the same as everybody else. Not that that matters, but it does get to you. So um, yeah, that sort of behind the scenes stuff gets um, really overwhelming and it's very important to kind of take um, a step back and maybe talk to a few other staff members, see how, what they're thinking, what they've taken from it. Um, But also not to be afraid to speak up in like, this is, this is a lot. Um, Can we just slow down maybe a bit? Uh, But the, the frustrating thing about that whole week in week zero was like you have, they give you an agenda and every day is so jam packed, but also everything, like there are parts that just like, go for a lot longer than they do and they 
like they on the agenda they plan to give teachers like planning time or like set up time generally at the end of the day um, and that was especially important for us three to six teachers who had been for the holidays been planning for face-to-face learning but then suddenly um, literally um, on Friday or the Thursday before week zero we're told that we're doing remote learning so we had to start from scratch so having that time to sit down together and collaborate um, during our school hours was really important and often during that week that didn't happen we um, had to come in early, stay late behind, come in on um, other days that we weren't going to be here um, and it just created more work for us which was a bit frustrating and we weren't really given any time to kind of um, make up for that kind of stress that we were giving, um, getting but um, we, we managed to do it. Um, and we were very um, forgiving for e- like f- to each other too. Um, for some of us might have le- left earlier, or we just made sure that we were very productive in the time. So we didn't, we weren't um, creating or letting there be work for us to do outside of those hours. Because as teachers, like we are, we are given a lot of work to do, um, and not enough time um, to do it, and we don't get paid overtime. Um, for that. We don't get paid for if you're there at seven o'clock in the morning, you get, you only get paid for your salary hours. And generally that's like, um, eight, maybe the earliest, if you're lucky until like four thirty. like it's not a lot. Um, like you don't get paid for the time that you spend outside of those school hours. So there's like a bit of a catch 22 there because as like for me, I want to do things really well. I want to spend the time to get things set up and organized and prepared and done really well. Um, But that means sometimes that means doing work outside of outside of work, outside of school. Um, But then you're like, well, I like why am I doing this work if I'm not being compensated for that? Uh, like I should be given time to be able to do this. Um, so you're like juggling out between um, giving yourself that work-life balance, giving yourself that rest when you're at home, um, but then trying to do your job well um, and that sort of stuff. So that's that's challenging. For in terms of future planning though, um, I – kind of discussed at the end of the last episode about how I was kind of battling between um, coming into week three, whether when we were going starting back face to face, whether I would be starting um, content and learning during that week. So kind of picking up my planning from week three or whether I would be treating it as like the first day. And I had a conversation with the teacher who's next door um, to me and like there was just a few times that he kind of um, dropped a few little comments about how he thought it was great that he had like those students there during remote learning in the classroom so he could already start doing routines and stuff like that. Where for me, I I kind of did it like but not intentionally um, but I kind of 
intentionally didn't do it um, explicitly because I knew that I had a bunch bunch of students who were missing out on that and would come in that day being a little bit hind in that like classroom environment sort of stuff. Um, and I know that I, I overheard conversations between the other teachers about how they were going to start content, they were going to start Jolly Grammar and all that sort of stuff um, in when, when they headed back to face-to-face straight away. Um, and then so I had to – so obviously that created a bit like, oh, what, what do I do? Like I think it's really important that I have that su- setting up for success especially because – I was experiencing so much stress over behaviour management, uh, having a positive classroom environment, all those learning behaviours. I was having those nightmares. I knew that it was a big deal for me and I wanted to do it right. And I and for me, doing it right was having that setting up for success, no matter whether we were already been at school for two weeks with remote learning. And even if that meant pushing me behind, but then also at the same time, I had that <laughs> that battle of like, but then I'm behind, like then I'm not, I'm, I'm ha- constantly having to chase down and it means I have two less weeks within the term to get things done and that throws the whole planning way off. So it's like, why do I even plan to start off with? But I stopped, I took a breath and I said to myself, Chloe, you know what is the right thing to do. Do what's best for you and what's best for your students. And from then I was like, no matter what anybody else says, that first day, those first two weeks back face-to-face, week three and week four is going to be setting up for success. If that means we go go behind, that's fine. We're going to adjust our planning um, and to suit that. But that's really important in for the rest of the year. So... Um, that was a bit of a, a breakthrough moment for myself, something I was very proud of doing, being like, I'm sticking to my guns and no one questioned on me on it, questioned me on it. I mean, I'm in my own year level, year three, and there's no other year three teachers in my, in my classroom. And it's not very often that you get visits from leadership or other teachers. So no one really actually knows what's going on in your classroom during that time. So it's not like anyone was being coming in and checking on me like, Chloe, like, why aren't you doing Jolly Grammar at the moment? Like all the other classrooms are doing it. It's week three. You should be doing learning. That doesn't happen. So I, I don't even know what I thought would happen if like I was going to be told off or whatever. Not that I would. Um, but like I, I, I was very confident in that. I would stand up for what I believed was the right thing to do. So that was a nice feeling. That was a bit of a, um, a success moment for those few weeks. But that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for joining me again today. Um, please um, hit that subscribe notification button so that you can continue to follow me on this journey in um, my early my early stages of teaching um, and jump onto Instagram, The Graduate Teacher, and that's where you can see some behind the scenes stuff. I've got photos, videos, um, things like that, that show you kind of the things that are happening in the classroom, which is really exciting. 
if there's anything that you would like for me to kind of explain um, further or you have any suggestions about content for this podcast, feel free to um, send me a message on Instagram and let me know what you're interested in. But again, thank you so much and I shall talk to you guys next time. Mm